Welcome to the Property CEO Podcast, your inside track to the world of property with your hosts, Ian Child and Richie Clapson. Hello and welcome to the Property CEO Podcast. My name is Richie Clapson and I'm here with Ian Child. Hello, everyone. Now, in today's episode, we're going to take a, a look under the bonnet of your brain. And uh, to be honest, it's a pretty misunderstood subject, particularly mine, that's for sure. So you found it, they? <laughs> well, yeah, apparently it was lurking around the back somewhere, trying to find some <laughs> hair to hide under. <laughs> now, I've been involved in property professionally for over 35 years, and I've always recognised the value of goal setting and having a positive mindset. Now, okay, it pains me to say, but uh, when I started working with Ian, I discovered there was quite a bit I didn't actually know. Wow. Uh, Yeah, it does pain me to say this. You heard it at first. And I think one of the most fascinating things I learned from uh, from yourself, Ian, was about how the brain works and how you can override it to make yourself more successful. So, Ian, let's start at the beginning. How do you find out about all this brain training stuff in the first place? How did you find this out? Well, I was uh, I was always interested in personal development, and um, and over the years I I probably spent a, a small fortune on kind of books and courses, uh, but in my in my previous life I, I ran a business unit for a, a global uh, private equity company, and they used to parachute in um, kind of Harvard graduates to teach the leadership teams uh, of the businesses that they bought to teach them kind of business skills and yeah. uh, and and kind of personal mindset skills. And it really gave me a fascinating insight into what makes high performers tick. Because obviously this is the stuff they're teaching at places like that. These are some, some really Down bright Harvard, people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that then made me really want to find out more about exactly how the brain works. And that's when I, I discovered that your brain isn't hardwired at all. I think a lot of people, in the old days, we always used to think it was. Mm. You know, your, your brain is a hardwired thing, but actually you can... Mine's you, are not even wired. <laughs> it just floats there. <laughs> uh, but you can actually teach your brain to make you more successful, which is fascinating. Okay, so if you had to pick one thing, what would you say was the most common misunderstanding uh, about the brain? Well, um, I think it's probably the role of your subconscious uh, your your subconscious mind. Many people, I think, don't make a distinction because they think the brain is just one thing. But we actually have two minds. We've got the conscious mind and we've got the subconscious mind. And even those people who kind of know about the subconscious often think that the conscious mind is in charge. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's us, you know. It's our, it's our personality. It's our live thoughts. However, our conscious mind only accounts for between... Two and four percent of our brain activity. Wow, quite incredible! So it's your subconscious, which is the real powerhouse here. It can, it can process an incredible ten quadrillion. Uh, so that's ten with fourteen zeros after it. I got that. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> you were fourteen zeros. Um, but ten quadrillion instructions simultaneously. I mean, in- incredible. Now. Luckily for us, our subconscious does absolutely tons of stuff without our conscious minds even getting involved. So we can kind of just test that theory and see that distinction between the two brains very easily. So if I ask you to raise your right hand, there we go. Yeah, well done. Um, Although this is a podcast, I genuinely do have my right hand raised. You do? Uh, Then it's... um, your conscious brain that's that's doing that it's controlling what you've done 
So if I ask you now to take some deep breaths, you can probably get that scene to actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what's happened there is your, your conscious has now taken over the breathing from your subconscious temporarily. Um, and then now it's given control back. So you didn't kind of notice that happening, but of course you're breathing all the time because the subconscious is doing it. When I ask you to, 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 to breathe, take deep breaths, and your conscious gets involved and, and overrides it. Challenge is, if I, if I asked you to stop um, growing your hair for 60 <laughs> seconds, then your conscious hasn't got a clue how to do that. And that's because it doesn't know how to grow hair but your subconscious does. Yeah, but it would be fair. My uh, my subconscious seems to have forgotten how to grow hair altogether at some point, particularly in certain places. <laughs> okay, might not have been the most sensitive example. I do apologise. Yeah, but, um, I mean, you could pick anything. Um, you know, growing your fingernails more quickly or um, stopping your kidney uh, or kidneys for, t- uh, for 10 seconds. You, know, you, you simply can't do it voluntarily because your conscious doesn't control it. And actually, a more uh, amazing example is your body cells. So your subconscious destroys 10 million cells in your body every second and creates 10 million more. And it's not random. It knows exactly which cells to destroy. And it's doing it, you know, 10 million a second. So, I mean, how amazingly clever is that? Mm. There simply isn't anything on the planet as complex as the human brain. But if I asked your conscious brain to regenerate a cell... I mean, it just wouldn't know where to start. Your subconscious takes care of all of it without your conscious getting involved. So so what you're actually saying um, there is that because we're constantly destroying and regenerating cells, we're not technically the same person as we, uh, as we started out as. That's absolutely right. There's a few bits that remain the same, but for, for you know, most of your body gets replaced every 7 to 15 years. Wow. So technically... My wife, uh, you know, has married someone completely different. Exactly. Have you, uh, have you told her? Well, it might surprise her later. I mean, she always says she fancies new husbands. So it should be well chuffed. <laughs> well, some bits of you, like your, your stomach lining, actually get replaced every few days. Um, but no, if, if your wife fancies a new model, then she only has to wait a few years. And technically, you'll be almost completely different. It's a bit like, um, I don't know if you remember, do you remember Trigger off Only Fools and Horses? Uh, well, vaguely. Okay. So Trigger was this uh, sweeper for the council, and he was getting this, I think it was a long service award from the mayor. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he, and he, he told her how proud he was that he'd had the same broom that he started with 25 years ago. And the mayor thought this was absolutely amazing, 25 years with the same broom. And he said, yeah, it only had 25 new heads and 37 new handles. <laughs> hey, I do remember that now. So pretty much like us then. Exactly right. So uh, hopefully that kind of puts uh, the conscious and subconscious mind into kind of perspective basically one is this massive supercomputer that controls almost everything and the other is uh, is a much more basic kind of mini computer that just does a few bits but likes to think that it's in charge so that's a bit like my uh, wife then and uh, and myself <laughs> exactly <laughs> um plus your conscious actually has quite a big say on what you do Uh, because it can manually control your actions and your thoughts. So other ways you can kind of recognize this, uh, which is when your your subconscious brain is working um, when you you drive a car. So that's a kind of really good example. So uh, your your subconscious controls all of your habits, and driving is a habit. So can you remember your first ever driving lesson? I can remember mine, but uh, did you actually have lessons? I'd always assumed that you'd uh, you'd bribe the examiner the way you drive. I'll have you know, I passed first time. 
You must have impressed him with your 11-point turns then. <laughs> so um, when you're driving, um, it's, your conscious mind when you start out drives the car because you don't know how to do it. So you're getting all these instructions and you're working out how to drive the car and everything uh, is is really hard to kind of think about anything. You've got the gears, you've got the steering, the clutch, the other traffic. Uh, you've got all of that going on. Roll the clock forward to today. And now we can kind of drive to work and not remember any of the journey. And that's because it was your subconscious doing the driving. You've learned how to do it. Your, sub, your conscious didn't need to get involved unless something you know, out of the usual came up. So, so now we know we've got these two parts to the brain. So now we get to the really interesting bit. Um, and this thing that a lot of people don't recognize is that your subconscious only has one objective. And that's to keep you alive. Your conscious mind may want, you know, the nice house, the fancy holidays, uh, about 57 luxury cars, but your subconscious only cares about you not being dead. You know, it's not interested in any of those other things. So, so what you're saying is I'm actually thinking uh, that my subconscious may have decided at some point that it doesn't want a super yacht. I can, <laughs> it does want a super yacht. Oh, I can believe it probably does. And a new car every five minutes. Well, I, I get bored easily. Plus, uh, you know, it's a good hobby. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Now, you might be wondering how on earth uh, is all this relevant to property? Well, I did wonder. Okay, well, let me enlighten you. banging you. on a bit here. Yeah, I was banging on. So uh, it's all about how you can hotwire your brain to be more successful. And that's, I have to say, that's in life generally. So, you know, in your property business for sure. But this is all about life generally. So we're going to cover off a little bit more about this in, in, in some later episodes because there's simply kind of so much that you can do. But for now, I just wanted to cover some of the basics. Now, your subconscious uses some pretty effective tools to influence what you do. But not all of them are helpful. So the first really important thing to recognise is that your subconscious hasn't evolved much, particularly yours. <laughs> its main worry is that you're going you're gonna to get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. Well, I'm not, because they're extinct, aren't they? Well, exactly, but um, you, you, you can substitute any other life-threatening situation. It doesn't really matter what it is. So it wasn't a particularly good example. It, it was a rubbish example, but, um, but it was quite um, tigery. So its job is simply to prevent something, anything, killing you. And the problem is that things have evolved quite a bit and we no longer face these kind of life-threatening situations like we did in our, our kind of cave-dwelling days. But your subconscious doesn't know this. So your subconscious uses a tool called the uh, amygdala to decide whether you're about to be attacked by this metaphorical tiger. And you'll know it as your kind of fight-or-flight mechanism. And it's, mm. it's really, really effective. Conscious mind can think about uh, half a dozen things simulta- simultaneously, but it's, it's not very good at reacting to danger. You know, it might see a tiger and then start thinking about what's for dinner and, um, you know, the, the storyline in EastEnders. And then it might come back to the tiger. Then it might wonder what sort of tiger it was and, uh, you know, before working out that it might be dangerous. So your amygdala is much, much quicker than your conscious mind. As soon as you see the tiger, it tells the conscious to stop thinking about food and soap operas and instead kind of focus on getting you out of danger. So when there's a tiger around, the amygdala is a very, very good thing. So you, you might ask, how does the subconscious do all this? Okay, so Ian, how does the uh, subconscious do all this? Well, Richie, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so uh, here is the second really important thing I want you to remember. Your subconscious not only controls your habits, like when you're driving, it also controls your emotions. 
and it uses the emotions to influence the conscious mind because it needs to get the conscious mind to take action. So let's take an example that might resonate with a lot of people. Imagine you're at a conference, okay, uh, in a yep. hotel somewhere, 500 colleagues, yep. and the boss comes up uh, to you and says, fantastic news, she'd like you to go on stage first thing the next day and do a solo presentation to the whole company Ooh, for an hour. That's good news, is it? Public speaking, well, is actually the most common fear in the US. And the number two, number two fear is death. <laughs> so it gives you some idea of how big an issue that most people, you know, most people find public speaking. What, what's the most common fear in the UK? Uh, spiders uh, are number one, and then it's public speaking second. So now you uh, you see that analogy wouldn't work for me because I'm not scared of spiders and I'm not faced by public speaking. Okay, uh, what would what would scare you? I don't know. Uh, you offering to give me a lift in the uh, to the meeting probably. Okay. What if the boss said you had to present to 500 colleagues for one hour tomorrow morning in your underpants? Would that scare you? No. I, I think I'd be okay with that. Really? You're saying that giving a, a keynote presentation to 500 friends and colleagues in your undercrackers wouldn't scare you? <laughs> no, I don't think it would. You just need a really big lecture. Oh, God. <laughs> so now I've got a really powerful image that I'd rather get rid of, right? <laughs> no, I'm sorry about that, but, uh, you know... Where were we? We're imagining getting asked to present to 500 people in the morning. So forget me and my undies. Uh, I'm happy to do that if you want, with a spider on the shoulder. <laughs> okay. So um, as soon as your boss asks you to do this, to speak to 500 people on your own, your amygdala immediately takes control. And it does this by using the fear emotion to influence your conscious mind. So it'll first decide whether it's going to opt for, for fight or flight. And then it will focus all of your conscious mind's efforts on whichever outcome it's decided is the best one. So your amygdala sees this as a life or death issue. The public speaking is, is its saber-toothed tiger. And you can probably imagine the physical fear and anxiety that, that you would experience if that actually happened to you. But the really important point to recognise is that simply... Yeah, it's simply your subconscious doing that. It, it's trying to stop you from doing it because it thinks you may, you might get killed. It, it doesn't actually know that you can't die on stage. Right, and when you want you to be fair, I've died on stage a few times, but <laughs> I know what you mean. In fact, uh, yeah, this was a real eye for me to be serious. I remember you teaching me about uh, the way your amygdala works when someone sends you an, like an annoying email. That really oh, that's right, exactly out. the same thing. So your conscious mind reads the email, and because it upsets or angers you, your amygdala immediately gets involved and stops your conscious mind from thinking about anything else. Instead, you kind of focus all your attention on either fight or flight, most likely fight, by replying to the person and telling them what an idiot they are. I've done that. <laughs> but if you've ever done it and kind of banged out an angry reply email and then a few hours later you've kind of calmed down and wish you'd never sent it, it's all down to the amygdala. Because what it's done is it stopped your conscious mind thinking of all of the options and the consequences and the possibilities. And instead it thought it was a tiger and it reacted immediately. And that's why kind of never a good idea to respond to, th to things in the, in the heat of the moment because your brain can't physically think of all the consequences. It's always way better to wait until the amygdala is back in its box again so the, uh, the conscious mind can then start thinking logically about the best response. The other thing to note is that your subconscious typically cheats by making the fear about 10 times greater than it should be. Uh, so that's why when quite often when you do things... Uh, 
that you perhaps you've been dreading. I don't know if you've come across this. They nearly always seem to go slightly better. Yeah. In fact, it's quite often quite a lot better than you expected. And that's because your subconscious has actually exaggerated them. Well, it's a bit naughty, really, isn't it? I mean, OK, that's fantastic. So what other stuff can we take from this then? Well, there's so much you can do to kind of reprogram your brain, but I'm conscious of time. So I just want to focus on one thing for now. And we'll, we'll talk about some of the other things in, a, in another episode. So we've, we've now established that fear is one of the tools that your subconscious uses to stop you doing things that might harm you. But it can't tell the difference between fighting a tiger and speaking to 500 people because you've got the kind of same reaction effectively to both. So I want you to, to think for a moment about the thing that we call our comfort zones. So this is when you're doing stuff that you're completely at ease with. Um, each of us has kind of got many different comfort zones. You know, some people, say, for example, TV presenters, you know, public speaking for them will sit within their comfort zone. But, of course, for most people, it sits way outside. So the big point to make here is that your comfort zone is, is where you f- feel no fear. Um, but we know that the only thing that causes fear is your subconscious. So why does your subconscious send these fear signals when you even think about doing something that sits outside your comfort zone? I guess that's going back to this thing, that it thinks there's a tiger that's going to go and attack you. Exactly. But your conscious mind knows that there's no actual physical danger. But because it, it, it doesn't enjoy the fear feeling, it wants you to stay in your comfort zone. Now, the massive problem with this is that all of your success... (laughs) it doesn't live in your comfort zone and that's kind of the final probably the biggest point i want to make today you know if you think about it staying in your comfort zone means never doing anything different never taking a single risk or putting yourself out there for anyone starting a journey into property investment or development it has to involve stepping outside of your comfort zone going to you know a property networking meeting and talking to strangers or giving your elevator pitch to the room you know that sits outside a lot of people's comfort zones um, buying your first investment property or you know, starting your first development project, you know, those will sit outside your comfort zone. And ironically, your subconscious thinks it's doing you a big favour by stopping you being eaten by a tiger. But the reality is that your conscious knows there's no tiger, there's no danger. And also, because your subconscious doesn't care about the nice house or the fancy holidays or the passive income lifestyle, it doesn't even consider it when sending you the fear signal. It doesn't think well, you know, it might be worth taking on the tiger because I'll end up with a super yacht. Because it doesn't care about the super yacht. But your conscious does care about the super yacht. And your conscious also knows that fear is just the tool that the subconscious uses to try and make you not do something. So thinking about all this, what's, uh, what's the key takeaway uh, from all of this from a, from a property perspective? Well, again, it's all about success in general, not, not just about the kind of property success. But you know, and that's the beauty of it. It applies to absolutely everything that we do. You need to recognise that fear is just your subconscious's way of trying to protect you from non-existent tigers, but it will get in the way of your success. So instead, what you need to do, you need to force yourself to do things that sit outside your comfort zone. And when you feel that fear and smile to yourself because you recognise it's just an outdated and exaggerated tool being used by your subconscious to try and influence you, you then just crack on with it. You won't stop feeling the fear, but you'll have understood it and you'll also know that your fears are likely to be ten times worse than than reality. 
I mean, that's brilliant. I mean, that's uh, that's been really great, Ian. Thank, thanks for that. Now, I know that today we've only just scratched the surface, but I have to say that the whole comfort zone thing was a real light bulb moment for me you know, some time ago. And it's amazing when instead of feeling uncomfortable when you, you know, when you get the old butterflies and the sweaty palms, you know, when you feel yourself feeling fearful of something, you instead realise it's just a reaction. And in fact, uh, you know, what you're experiencing, the fear means that, you know, you're, you're moving forward towards your goals. I think that's really, really important. Absolutely right. So you, you end up making this positive association with the fear instead of a negative one. Um, in fact, you know, you should definitely try and do something outside your comfort zone every single day. So you think that uh, I should do the next episode of the podcast in my pants then? Uh, only if I can dial in. <laughs> oh, no, I thought you said this was good to be outside of your comfort zone. Well, it, it is, but it has to be aligned with your goals. <laughs> and, uh, and funny enough, last time I looked at my goals, co-presenting a podcast with a half-naked business partner wasn't on the list. <laughs> well, I think you missed a trick there. Then it might be character building for you. No, it would feel like there was an elephant in the room. <laughs> You've been talking to my wife again. <laughs> oh, this isn't going well. <laughs> anyway. Right, Ian, that's, uh, that's absolutely fantastic. Um, if you're interested in finding out more, then take a look at the propertyceo.co.uk website where we have some uh, free resources and details of the property courses we offer, which include mindset training as standards so you can really get yourself primed for success. Well, that's just about wraps up uh, everything for this episode. Uh, we look forward to catching up with you again on the next one. And, uh, you know, I've not yet decided uh, what I'll be wearing for it, so please do tune in to find out. In the meantime, feel free to check out our other episodes and you can visit our website, which is at propertyceo.co.uk. But until next time, it's goodbye from us both. Goodbye.